And uh, let's open up with prayer. People are still uh, flowing in, and that's fine, but we want to get, get the ball rolling here. So join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace. Uh, let's just take a minute and just turn your attention to the Holy Spirit and to the Father. You know, when we pray, we don't have to get God's attention. We have to give God our attention. And so let's just turn our attention to the, to the Father right now. Lord, your word says that every good and perfect gift from, comes from the Father of lights above. And uh, we want to receive and understand the good gifts that you've given. Lord, we want to honor you by using the gifts you've given in a way that brings you glory and edifies your church, accomplishes your purpose. Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity to come together to learn of your word. Father, I pray blessing on each and every person here. Father, over the course of today and And uh, next week, as we delve into these uh, subjects and these gifts, I just pray that you'd open up uh, the eyes and ears of our understanding, that each and every person would would get to know their gift and how to function in in a better way. And I pray for a supernatural release of your Holy Spirit in our lives to activate gifts that we didn't even know we had. Lord, we're dependent on you. And so we just yield ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. I uh, actually forgot that I'm starting this session. <laughs> yeah. So I better get my notes. <laughs> I'm speaking first. I was going to introduce Mark, but I should have had you open up, Mark. Sorry. Ah, no. So just so you know what the plan is for uh, today... And next week is that um, today I'm going to open up with just kind of a general introduction about the gifts and some uh, some important um, aspects about the, the nature of spiritual gifts. Talk a little bit about the difference between uh, spiritual gifts and natural talents. Uh, and then <clears throat> we'll take a break. And then Mark is going to come up and uh, do a whirlwind tour of all of the uh, gifts that are identified in Scripture. And there's what? 27 uh, spiritual gifts that are acknowledged by theologians. And there's some debate as to one or two, whether it's a gift or not. But, uh, you know, these are the generally accepted uh, things that are called spiritual gifts in Scripture. So there's a lot more than a lot of people think. So that's the plan. Next week, um, I'm going to go into depth in the charismatic gifts, okay? And so because there's a lot of gifts and only uh, a certain number of them really are part of what's called the, the charismatic tradition. And even non-charismatics, those who don't uh, uh, practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, in the way that we do <clears throat> and other charismatic gifts. And I can talk about the history of that if you want, maybe next, next week. But yeah, I probably should a little bit. Um, you know, they acknowledge some of the gifts, but they use them very differently. So next week, I'm going to go into depth, uh, things like prophecy and speaking in tongues and discernment and uh, deliverance. And uh, I'll tell you all good stories. All right. <laughs> um, and what else am I going to talk? And then and then we're going to uh, also talk about how the gifts function within a church body. This is, is next next Saturday. And um, at the end of next uh, Saturday, we'll, we'll talk through the questionnaire and do some things, uh, talk about how we uh, can figure out what gifts we have as individuals and how to use those. All right. So that's kind of the big overview. Um, <clears throat> this morning, I want to talk about the difference between um, gifts and fruit and character and charisma uh, and kind of... And, and, and kind of take some time, and I think it's important that we start identifying the importance of 
character before we talk about the gifts. And you can't um, separate the two. Uh, and when, when you do, that's when, when dangerous things happen. And, you know, there's a list of the fruit of the Holy Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. And, and uh, we'll probably get to that. Um, but uh, the character, a person's character is always more important uh, than their gifts. And when that's, when that's not recognized or, or uh, not respected, that's what gets people into trouble. And as I was preparing my notes, very quickly came to mind. I just thought of four, I have the names of four different uh, significant leaders that were charismatically gifted. Um, three of these people I've met personally. All right. And they could, if I said their names, probably everyone here would know. Some of them, uh, everybody in the country would know their name. Uh, because they were high-profile uh, ministers that had anointing almost beyond measure. One, one I've been in a room with, but I never personally met. Uh, but a friend of, uh, a mentor of mine, um, who has met pretty much every revival leader on planet Earth today, because all he did was travel. It's Fred Wright. He traveled all over the world, um, leading revival. And of this man, this other minister. He said that he was the most anointed individual he'd ever met. Okay, and Fred had been with them all, you know, John Arnott, Claudio Friesen, uh, Bill Johnson, Chris Valentin, their friends. I mean, you name it. Fred's had knows them personally, and when he got around this particular individual, well, I'll just I'll just tell him his name. His name is Todd Bentley, and uh, I don't know how familiar you are with. Uh, Revival and what's happened over the last number of years, but Todd had an incredible ministry, and um, he he was a he's a young guy, and he, you could tell his life was like he was like really intense and crazy, but you couldn't deny the miracles. I mean, people blind could see, people who couldn't walk for 25 years would just hop out of their wheelchair. It was that kind of anointing, and he just carried that anointing. And some of you may remember he, um, you know, I knew of him for quite a few years, and all of a sudden God just opened up the door, and he started having this big giant revival down in Florida where thousands of people were coming, and the miracles just went up a notch, and everybody was getting healed, and literally, I mean, we were there when they they filled this auto this one meeting hall. They had like eight thousand, I think it was eight thousand, and then they moved to the. The baseball stadium, it was outdoors where Tigers uh, play in the winter. <clears throat> and they filled the place. Like the next morning, I was like, there's no way they're going to fill that place. And they filled it, and people were on the lawn, and there was this, you know, 10, 20,000 people there. <clears throat> it was really powerful. But then his, his, it turns out his life was in shambles. His marriage fell apart. Uh, I don't know all the details because I don't read the gossip lines, but... Um, you know, I do know that his wife, they, they separated and divorced and within months he's remarried. Um, and he had to go through a whole process of, of, uh, getting healed up. And so because his personal integrity, his life lacked, it didn't matter how much anointing and gifts he had because his ministry collapsed. And like I said, I just in one in just 30 seconds, I jotted down four names that came to mind, who people who had incredible gifts, but because they didn't have um, strength of character, their ministries were derailed, and and what God intended to bring glory to His name, actually ended up bringing shame. Right. I happen to have a very good friend of mine who's a pastor in the town where Todd Bentley grew up. Okay, Abbotsford, uh, uh, British Columbia. <clears throat> and guess what everybody in Abbotsford talks about? Because Todd Bentley's former wife and his kids still live there. Right? And everybody knows, oh, because Todd Bentley was famous all over the world for a while, and he was from Abbotsford, but everybody knew that 
his wife, you know, and their family, and sure enough, it, it fell apart. And now everybody in that town, this pastor says it's so hard because everybody kind of just writes off the things of the Holy Spirit. All right? It's not just Todd Bentley. It's all of the charismatic movement because of one person's uh, lack of character. What Todd Bentley was doing was authentic. All right? Uh, but his, his, uh, his failure in his personal life brought a reproach. And, and it really, uh, so it's so important that we have both the gifts and the fruits or the character of um, uh, the Holy Spirit. And if we don't, it'll end up causing our life to get derailed. And whatever good we could have done with the gifts can actually cause more harm. And God wants to do both. Um, charisma is important, but character is essential. Those terms are important that you understand. There's certain Greek words that you just need to get familiar with. We don't have to, I don't know Greek, but I know certain Greek words because they're so significant and they're used throughout and to gain a good understanding of the New Testament and, and, and then Hebrew words in the Old Testament. You need to learn a few. And charis is the word for grace. Okay? By grace you have been saved. And charisma, from which we get the word charismatic, is the word for gifts. Um, uh, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, 8, it says, For grace, charis, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. And that word, the second word gift, is a different word for gift, meaning a present. Okay? And so there's two different words. Charis is kind of like this unique word that's, that's used to communicate um, that we normally translate it grace. Right? And so charisma, which, uh, which is the word almost always used in the New Testament when talking about the spiritual gifts, is, is this, has the same root word of grace. And so it's the spiritual gifts are the graces. It's what we've been graced with. Right? And so the, <clears throat> the origin of all of our gifts should flow out of grace. Right? It's really tied. Everything you think of when you think of grace, connect that to the Holy Spirit's gifts and the ministering of the gifts because it's really, they are empowered by grace. And grace itself is often misunderstood. It's, the common definition is the uh, unmerited favor. And that's true, but it's not just God likes you. <laughs> it's actually an empowering. Thank you. <laughs> the essence of the word means empowering. It, it's a, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a, 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 it's favor that enables. It's enabling power. It's enabling love. All right. And there's a sense of power that comes with grace. It's the same grace that changes our lives from sinful and corrupt to holy and pure. All right? And so it's that power, in one place it says, the power that raised Christ from the dead is able to change our lives, you know, is able to renew our lives. <clears throat> and so it, it, that's what it is. And, and charisma are the gifts that flow out of charis or grace. Grace gifts. And so <clears throat> another definition is, um, okay, favored uh, gifts of divine uh, grace, gifts of faith, knowledge, holiness, virtue. Let's see, um, grace or gifts denoting extraordinary powers. Uh, and so it's used in this way, uh, distinguishing certain Christians and enabling them to serve the church of Christ, the reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operating on their souls by the Holy Spirit. So when used in this sense, charisma is uh, specifically talking about uh, supernatural powers that God has imparted or given or equipped individuals. And it's not just, um, you know, this certain Christians. This is an old dictionary. <laughs> All Christians have spiritual gifts just identifying which ones. Some are more outward, 
and some are, are less noticeable or less flamboyant, if you will. Um, but they're all equally important and essential. <clears throat> now, the question comes up, or it should come up, is how can God use someone uh, that's practicing sin or allowing sin? You know, I mentioned Todd Bentley, and clearly there was sin in his life, and it uh, resulted in his marriage falling apart. Whether he had an affair or not, I, don't, I haven't heard from him, so I don't know. Uh, but that's what I think happened. And certainly with the other individuals on my list, they, they had affairs, they did drugs, they did all kinds of stuff while they were in ministry, okay? Attracting tens of thousands of people. People were getting healed and delivered and, you know, walking that they couldn't walk. And then these people would, you know, go through stuff that you just go, are they even Christian? Yeah. And you go, how could God use someone that has sin in their life? And the answer is the same way he can use you. <laughs> All right? Thank God! He's merciful. He uses people that aren't perfect. Because if he didn't, there wouldn't be anybody to use. Right? I mean, we just got to settle that. That's an easy answer. Everybody thinks it's a big question. It's not a big question. It's an easy question. You know? There's nobody perfect. And you know what? We just found out about their sin because they're famous, and so there's a whole bunch of reporters digging through their garbage. You know? And if someone dug through your garbage, they could find something and make, make a case out of it. And you know, people that are in the business can make something little make it sound really bad. And, and then also the life. You know, the thing with Todd Bentley, I saw it, and this other individual, I saw it before, it happened is they, they get caught up in, you know, they're doing God's work. And they lose balance. Obviously, it's a lack of maturity. But he was going every night, night in, night out, night in, night out. It's getting bigger and bigger. And the, and the, the pressure and the expectation and the desire to not lose the opportunity and to do everything you can for God and realize, man, I don't, you know, it, it's all, it's out of good motivation, but they overextend themselves. They don't come out of rest. They don't take any time to develop their personal life and they just get burned out. And, um, and then they stop thinking rational and then they, that, then it's easy to make mistakes. And so people never judge someone, never get judgmental against a leader that falls because you don't know the whole story, you know. And, you know, you can, I warn because then it brings a, uh, a bad name to the things of God. And, you know, I lived through the 80s you know, <laughs> when the televangelists all were found out to be addicted to pornography and doing all these crazy things. And I was like, oh, I was in a... I was selling televisions, and everybody in the store knew I was an on-fire Christian because I preached them all, you know. And, like, every day on television, all they had was Jimmy Swaggart this, and what's the other guy? Baker. Jim Baker that. And I'm like, oh. you know, they're all charismatics. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, God doesn't mind exposing someone's sin, you know, because there's a point at which it's better for them. Um <clears throat> And uh, so we want to continue to be yielded to him, to be able to be uh, corrected, um, or else God will expose the sin because it is better for us as individuals and for his namesake, ultimately. You know, uh, in every situation, God gives individuals many, many opportunities to repent of sinful lifestyle. Now, we're talking about big-name people, but the principles apply to you. You may not be on TV, but you may, you know, stuff in your personal life, if it's not solid, it will derail your ministry, whatever size it is. Yeah, and people watching you will, will walk away and go, it's not genuine, when really it is genuine. If you give a prophetic word or if you pray for somebody who's sick, that's genuine. But if you have something that's disingenuous outside of that and they see that, oh, out of church, 
you don't say prophetic words, you say pathetic words. You know, you're always complaining or whining or, or you have a foul mouth. Then they're going to say, what? You're a hypocrite. You know, and they're going to, I don't believe that stuff because so-and-so, you know, acted that way and they didn't live it. And so it's, in that way we're exposed. You know, and God will confront that for your good. And the confrontation process is not necessarily pleasant, but it's really healthy. Um, and ultimately, God wants to lead you through. Even the a confrontation is meant to bring restoration. And he wants those gifts. There's a scripture in Romans 11.29. says that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God's gifts and his call... This is from the Amplified. God's gifts... And his calling and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them once they are given. And he does not change his mind. Aren't you glad God doesn't change his mind? About those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. Now, the context of uh, what Paul is writing about is about the gifts that were given to the nation of Israel and even though they were rebellious and sinful for many generations, they still had that call because it was irrevocable. But the same truth applies. God gives someone a gift. He doesn't take it back. He's not an Indian giver. <laughs> you know, it's just an old term. That's what probably shouldn't use that. It's probably not political correct. huh? What's the new political correct version? He was not a Native American giver. <laughs> that actually, that actually, that term is actually about how, you know, uh, the English or the American, uh, the whites would give something to the Indians and then take it back. It's not a bad thing to the Indian. It's it's a bad thing on on the Europeans, <coughs> us, <laughs> unless you're Indian descent. So anyway, uh, he, when he gives a gift, he means it, and they can still function in their supernatural gift. Think of Samson in the Old Testament. You know, he didn't just sin once. The dude was just a schmuck. <laughs> you know, you read the story, and it's like the first thing he did, his parents said, you know, you need to get a good wife, you know. Uh, so, and he goes out intentionally marrying someone that he knows his parents will disapprove of, you know, intentionally, you know, and it caused them nothing but trouble, you know, and he went from one stupid thing to another, but God had new strength, and even all the way to the end, when and Delilah cuts off his hair, and he gets trapped, and then he's, he's, you know, in prisoner at the end, and he says, God, you know, let, let me go out in glory, and he still had his strength. And he pulls down the temple and he killed more in his death than in his life. And so he had that gift even though he failed morally. King Saul, if you read the story, was um, you know good at the beginning but didn't know how to handle authority personally. His personal life fell apart. And he was actually chasing after David to kill him. You can read about it in the Old Testament. He was hunting down King David because uh, the prophet had anointed David to become the next king. And Saul wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> and Saul knew. And so this is one of the times that he was literally trying to find David. And he came across a, a group of prophets. And while he was with the prophets, he started prophesying. Right? Just because he stayed with the prophets and they were having a meeting. You know, they were having a revival meeting. And so they would worship and the Holy Spirit would come and people would probably fall down and laugh, who knows what they were doing, and start saying good, you know, prophetic words <clears throat> to the point where Saul got caught up into it and he was prophesying to the point where people would say, Saul's one of the prophets. You know? Um and then he left that and continued to hunt after David. You know, and he was under the judgment of God while he was doing that. But when he came into the presence of the Holy Spirit, to a group of people that were open to the things of the Spirit, he was able to operate in a supernatural gift. And so this whole thing about <coughs> gifts and God using 
people that are, are lacking character, um, you have to think of it separately. Uh, the gifts are given, the character is required. And, and God enables us to live godly character. He requires of that. But we can operate in gifts. Now, a lot of people don't, don't function in their gift because they know that they have personal issues in their life. And so out of, you know, either they don't want to function in their gift. Usually it's out of fear. Oh, I'm not good enough. And that, that's out actually an equal and opposite error. You know, because in one sense you'll never be good enough. And one of the one of the most freeing things to get free from a sinful lifestyle or a, a lifestyle that's not fully uh, representing the character of Jesus is to start operating in your gifts. All right. If you learn your gift and start flowing in the gift, you find your purpose, and it gives you motivation to live right. And when when you're ministering to people, that that can really motivate you to hey, I don't want to blow it at home because you know what it's really fun to maybe you have a gift of teaching so when you teach you you love it you know or when you pray for someone up at church and after and and they get blessed they start crying and you just go wow this is amazing god can use me and that can motivate you to get stuff right in your life does that make sense and so there's a balance there but we don't judge a person by their gift um you don't you never Say that. Um, never judge a person's gift by their character. Uh, never judge a person's character by their gift. All right. So someone has someone has an incredible gift doesn't mean they're of high caliber. <laughs> they could be a scoundrel. All right. But they're gifted preacher. There's a lot of gifted preachers that at home are just obnoxious to their family. You know, they're mean. Uh, doesn't mean they're not gifted preachers and, uh, or, or whatever. You just, you know, that's a gift. The character is separate. And uh, just because someone has a, has a really good character doesn't necessarily mean they, they, they are all that gifted. You know, they may have just had good parents. Really, you know, they're just good people. Um, and so understanding the balance there. <clears throat> Charisma, I have a definition. Charisma is the work of God's supernatural power through us to display his power and communicate his message. So charisma is the work of God's power. It should always draw attention primarily to God and not to ourselves. Okay, so the charisma, the gifts that God gives are intended to, to accomplish his purpose and to draw glory or attention to him. And it does, uh, you know, there's some things, you, it doesn't mean that you have to, uh, you know, deny God's giving you the ability to do something, but you do it unto God. You know, and if someone says, oh, that was a great word, Pastor, you know, inward, I don't go, oh, don't, don't tell me I'm good. It's all God. You know, that's just wacky. Um, just say thank you, you know. But inwardly, I'm like, God, if it wasn't for him, I, I wouldn't be able to stand, you know. Um, character is the product or produce the fruit um, of the sanctifying and redeeming work of God internally that is displayed by our actions, words, and thoughts. Okay, so our character is the produce of the Holy Spirit in us, where gifts are the operation or the work of the supernatural power uh, working through us. So they're two separate things. Yes, they cross over. Both are... Um, uh, dependent on the Holy Spirit. So if you turn to Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 25, I'm going to read through the section on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Again, like any list of, in Scripture, it's not um, exhaustive. In other words, it doesn't contain every fruit of uh, the Holy Spirit. But this is, this is, you know, this is a list of, of what the things of the Holy Spirit, that character. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the word lust there is wages war or contests or there's a, there's a conflict um, against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. They're at odds with one another. So that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, uh, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, when I was a new Christian, that scripture had a lot of impact on me. <laughs> Especially revelries, because that other translation calls it parties. And I was a partier. I'm like, ooh, it's in there. <laughs> you know, and it's very clear that, you know, if you practice those things, if you continue practicing those things and you don't allow God to change you, it can jeopardize getting into the kingdom of God. Right? which means being in heaven, uh, going, living eternally with Christ, and also fulfilling that kingdom while we live in, here on earth. In verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so <clears throat> there's a list here of, and what a difference between the two lists, you know? I mean, it's such a radical difference between the, the produce of the works, the outworking of the character and the nature of flesh, and the outworking of the nature of the Holy Spirit in us. And, and we're to set our, our sights, our goals, uh, for the fruit of the Holy Spirit to operate. And we are free. The word fruit literally means that which is plucked. Right? The literal definition. Um, and another dictionary describes it this way. That which originates or comes from something, an effect or a result. Well, it's an effect and a result of what? The Holy Spirit. All right? So fruit, like the gifts, is not dependent on you. This is different than just, you know, self-help. A person can get better by just learning principles and discipline. And that's okay. But there's an additional measure that when the Holy Spirit is available and you come into relationship with, uh, with Jesus Christ, you feel the Holy Spirit, there's a Holy Spirit empowerment that enables you to live supernatural love, supernatural joy, supernatural peace, supernatural long-suffering. Right? And, and that understanding that without those supernatural expressions of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural expressions of teaching or working of miracles or, 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 or prophecy and all the other stuff isn't going to last. It's not going to produce the, the, the results you want. So fruit, fruit takes time. <clears throat> anybody ever plant a fruit tree? Really, anybody ever plant a fruit tree? <clears throat> Go out a few weeks later and plant pick apples? Get out of here. And we're used to going to Myers. You want apples? There's apples. Oranges? Oranges. What do you want? That's right here. You know. How long did it take to get apples? Eh, ten minutes. <laughs> well, I was fortunate to grow up. We had an orchard. And so uh, there was one tree. It was a particular kind of tree. My dad wanted this one kind of apple tree. And it, it actually does produce fruit, but you clip it off. You clip off the 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 blossoms for the first 15 years so that the tree really grows. In order to have good apples of this species, you have to wait until the tree's 15 years before you allow it to produce the fruit. You know? And even as a kid, I thought, Dad, why are you doing that? My dad used to say, I like to... He says, I like watching trees grow. 
That was his hobby. <laughs> I understand that now. <laughs> so by the end, you know, those apples were great. And it's a lot of work. We had a big, it wasn't a big, it was just a hobby orchard, you know, was, I don't know maybe 50, 60 trees. Oh, my word. Every year you have to prune them. And guess who had to move all the branches? Not my dad. Me and my brothers. <laughs> all right? And you had to spray them. Then you had to pick the fruit. You had to store the fruit. And so there's work involved to fruit. Fruit is, it takes time and nutrition. It's, and so this is, it's labor intensive. It's affected by the seasons. Right? You know, you have a bad spring and they, they declare, you know, the government has to declare an emergency because all the all the apple, you know, uh, still happens today. <clears throat> so we're dependent on a lot of things, but it's fruit. And in the same way, we learn about uh, spiritual things by looking at the natural things. Fruit needs to grow. It needs to be cultivated. It needs to be cared for. It needs to be it needs to be nurtured. You know, it's a it's a produce of the Holy Spirit, but it's something that we have to allow. We have to seek after. We have to care for it. Uh, <clears throat> fruit has within itself the ability to reproduce. That's one of the definitions of fruit: is that it has a seed or seeds. And actually, all fruit has not just one seed, but multiple seeds. And we have seedless fruit because we've monkeyed with the genetics <laughs> and we've crossbred uh, and so you can get a seedless well there are actually still seeds in seedless watermelon they're just really small and edible uh, <clears throat> but seeds have in it the ability to reproduce um, gifts don't <clears throat> I once uh, I know a friend of mine I don't know if he's a friend but a young guy that we like and they like us. <laughs> Don't see him too often. They live in Germany. But uh, he, uh, he goes and does uh, cr- ministry crusades things, and he's done that for years. <laughs> he cracked me up. He said, he's, he's, he's trying to build a church, and he's realizing the difficulty of actually getting people to grow in their faith. He says, I can go into any town and have a meeting and do miracles. That's easy. But... Teaching people the principles and leading them so they actually grow. I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> I laugh because, you know, most people are like, oh, man, if we just had one good miracle, people would. And I'm telling you, that's, that's not how it works. You have a big miracle. Ten minutes later, people have, ten, you know, ten different reasons how that could have, they could have misunderstood it. All right? But it's, it's really fruit that reproduces Gifts and miracles help in the process, and, and, the, and, and miracles actually get, get people's attention, uh, but only to hear the message. And the message changes people's lives. And so we need the miracles to open a path to speak the message, and the message reproduces. The message is, is where, where the real lasting power is. <laughs> Uh, without the fruit, the, the gifts become corrupted. Um, you may be able to operate for a season, but not forever. So prioritizing your life, cultivating uh, the fruit. And you cultivate the fruit of the Holy Spirit really just through uh, uh, the daily disciplines of Christian faith. All right? There's just no other way around it. Uh, you have to read your Bible. Every day, get in Scripture in some way. And no matter how well you know the Bible, you're still in kindergarten. All right? I'm still in kindergarten when it comes to knowing Scripture. There's so much more. And, and develop a passion for prayer. Uh, learn how to pray. Uh, you know, go deeper in prayer. Uh, uh, fellowship, worship, serving. Uh, never pursue charisma at the cost of character. Uh, so you, you pursue them at the same time. You want to develop your gifts, but you want to develop the fruit at the same time. <clears throat> and the ability for God to use your gifts ultimately will depend on, on how, how much fruit and character you have operating in your life. Yes, some people have gifts and get really famous, but they fall, you know. And it's, it's far better to grow them together and never be famous 
but have a big influential ministry uh, because people can rely on you. All right. <clears throat> Differentiating between natural talents and spiritual gifts. Why don't you turn to Exodus chapter 35. Verse 10. I'm going to read um, portions of Scripture from this. And I'm uh, not going to go through all of it, but this is um, the uh, building of the um, tabernacle of Moses that God communicated the vision for the tabernacle to, to Moses, and he came down with all this like architectural drawings <laughs> of uh, of what it was to look like, and and then people started bringing stuff. And in verse ten, it talks about uh, all who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. So it refers to some people as as gifted artisans. Uh, all who are gifted artisans. And then later, in verse 25, he, um, the scripture points out uh, particular gifts. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought <clears throat> what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and linen. So they started making because they were talented spinners. <laughs> Knitters. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Weavers, probably. Um, but then you have verse 30 through 35, and there's a little different. Notice the difference. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name uh, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God. Somebody was filled with the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. Actually, a lot of people were. In wisdom and understanding, in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, to work on all manner of artistic workmanship. And he has put in his heart the ability to teach. Okay, so he, has, he has two separate different gifts. He's got the gifts of craftsmanship, but not like the other artisans. This is the Spirit of God being manifest in him. Um, and they, he didn't say that about the other artisans. He talks a lot about the other artisans, but this guy had a, had a, a, a calling, a supernatural. This was a manifestation of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for doing all these things and the ability to teach uh, in him, as well as a couple other guys, Loyeb and the son of so-and-so uh, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do all manner of work, of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, scarlet, thread, fine linen, and the weaver and, the, and those who do every work and those who design artistic work. And so he put these guys in charge because they had supernatural understanding and, and everybody, all the other artists worked under them because they had this gift. And so I see here a differentiation between someone who just has a talent that is acknowledged, even in Scripture, and someone who has been filled with the Holy Spirit and given a supernatural talent okay, that, that goes beyond their natural talent. Does that make sense? And even though it was similar, they were both craftsmen, but this guy had it all. You know? It was evident that it was supernatural. Now, was he already that way, or did God just come on him and suddenly he had it? He probably already was. And Moses recognized he had skill or maybe there was a filling with the Holy Spirit. I mean, Moses uh, uh, you know, was not a leader and by the filling of the Holy Spirit, God made him a leader. All right? And so he can take somebody that doesn't have it and, and give it or he can take someone that has something and empower it. And so there's, there's, I came up with, I think there's four different, no, there's five, five options to answer this question. The question is, was it just something natural or, or is it supernatural? These are four, four options in my solution to the, to the question that you're all asking. <laughs> you're going, what's the question? 
<laughs> okay, the question is, what's the difference between natural talents and, and spiritual gifts? So, one option is, we all have spiritual gifts that are given us at conception, that are latent within us, along with natural talents and abilities. Okay? So, when God formed you in the womb, part of that forming was, they're going to have the gift of teaching, they're going to have supernatural gift of healing and prophecy, um, they're going to be six feet tall, they're going to have blonde hair, um, they're going to be good with numbers, <clears throat> you know, all those things that just people are naturally good at. And so maybe you have some gifts that God formed you. You know, a prophet was, from the womb, he was called to be a prophet. We know that. So that's possible. That, that's very possible. All talent, another option. <clears throat> All talents, whether they're natural or supernatural, and abilities are gifts. But some are used by God and supernaturally enhanced when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Okay? So whatever gift you have, <clears throat> in essence, everything you have is a gift from God. And so uh, you may have a particular talent, but when the Holy Spirit comes on you, wow, it's empowered. It becomes God-breathed because God blows on it, you know. And so something that you have that's just natural, you know, I was always able to speak. <laughs> but now God uses my speaking to teach, you know. And uh, actually, when I was young, I didn't talk much. Um, it's going to quiet until I get filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and I haven't shut up since. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> number three is, when the Holy Spirit fills us, we receive unique gifts that were selected for us by God and may coordinate uh, with our personality and natural talents, or may not. And this would be a classic charismatic stance, okay? That <clears throat> when you get filled with the Holy Spirit is when you get, like when you, that's when you get the gift of tongues, you know? Uh, and... Um, whatever other gifts, it's like you get a pre, it's a downloaded at that point, and then you have to discover which ones they are. And you know, that, that very well may be how it works, is that people who aren't filled with the Holy Spirit don't have spiritual gifts until you get saved and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then God can give you whole new gifts. And so you have to sort that out. That's one of the options. And then the fourth thing that I came up with is, and this is a little more general. It says the Holy Spirit lives with, if you're spirit-filled, once you come to faith and then receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in you. All right? Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Everything He can do, He can do through me or you. And so whatever gift is needed at that particular moment, God can activate that in me uh, if there's a need and I'm willing and submitted and I believe it. If, if, yeah, Peter could walk on water until he stopped believing it. All right. So whatever, <clears throat> this is like the Swiss Army knife Christian. <laughs> All right. All the tools are in there, but you don't pull out the scissor until you need it. You know. Uh, now, if the Holy Spirit's in me, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, He can do through me. And so, this is another way to understand that, well, you have all the gifts, uh, if you, but if you don't believe that, then you're never going to operate in this gift or that gift. Well, because I don't have that gift. I don't know how to do that. But the Holy Spirit inside you does. All right. And so, I actually believe all of these. Huh? Oh. Yeah, Paul mentions about that would be a moment where the Holy Spirit came on. Paul talking to Timothy says, um, stir up the gift that was given to you by the laying on of hands of the presbytery uh, in his letter. And so Timothy received a gift. Um, and, you know, that, that was actually his ordination where they prayed and, and set him apart for ministry. And, and to fulfill his calling. And so Paul was telling him to stir it up. So uh, clearly the scripture says that he received a gift at that point. But 
uh, you know, was that a spiritual gift or was that was, it, was he referring to his his ministry calling? All of these can can happen. Uh, God can give you a supernatural gift. There may be a gift, you know, people, and this is one way where you can say people that are not Christians that are operating in some of the things that look like spiritual gifts, well, they could be tapping into something that God wants them to walk in if they were to get saved. But it's unregenerate. It's being operated in soulish power or demonic power rather than holy power and, and godly power. Okay, and so they may have particular abilities, but they're not necessarily of God. Um, and uh, <clears throat> you know, so I believe that God can function in all these ways. I do believe that um, uh, individuals have particular gifts, and that there's a primary gift, and what's called a gift mix. Uh, a gift mix includes a, a primary spiritual gift. And it requires the Holy Spirit's activity for you to truly function in it. Okay? So a spiritual gift differentiates from a natural ability and that without the presence of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to do it in a way that represents God. Does that make sense? So <clears throat> I might be able to teach. Before I was a Christian, I could speak. You know, I got an A in my public speaking class before I was, I think it was before I was a Christian. <laughs> you know, but it wasn't anointed. Uh, it wasn't, and, and so God came on me, and now I have a gift of teaching, um, and it's, there is a difference there. Okay? Uh, but it's a subtle difference. And God can take our natural talents and breathe on them and make them supernatural. Or he can take someone who isn't talented at all in an area and call them to minister in a particular area to demonstrate his power. And with the, with the supernatural gifts, well, nobody's got a natural talent of healing people. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, or speaking God's word to them. Although they, they may be clairvoyant, that's a different thing. That's, that's, that's witchcraft, okay? Um, and that's not of God. Um, and we'll get into that next week. So, <clears throat> you know, I can, I might have a, uh, I, the image of a, an electric saw, or a, you know, like I have a reciprocating saw. I should have brought it in. <clears throat> you know what a reciprocating saw is? Every guy, a sawzall. You know, <clears throat> and the saw goes back and forth. It's not a chainsaw. It's a sawzall, and you can cut through anything with them, right? <clears throat> but if you don't have electricity. You, you could just move the saw back and forth <laughs> with this little blade, and it doesn't do hardly anything. But, you know, you could actually saw something with a little blade, but you plug it into the power, and you can literally just cut through anything. It's the funnest tool next to a chainsaw. <laughs> and so that's the idea that spiritual gifts are empowered. Okay, I'm going to talk real quick about gift envy and gift projection. Mark's going to talk about it a little more <clears throat> Um, so, I do believe that even though all the gifts are available because the Holy Spirit lives in you, and um, I believe people do have primary gifts and secondary gifts that God um, uniquely gives. Each one is given a gift individually as God sees fit. And so, these are gifts that we have. That God has, uh, that wants, God wants us to walk in them and learn how to use them. But ultimately, I believe that whatever gift is needed at the time, I can flow in it because the Holy Spirit lives in me. And then, so you don't know how many gifts you have, do you? And you can have all of them. You know, it just, just depends on how open you are to the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do with your life. And you're not, you're not judged by how many gifts you have. Okay? You're judged by how faithful you are and how obedient you are to do what God's called you to do. You know? and, and period. That's it. And so if you're faithful in what He's given, you'll, you'll be rewarded and God will bless you. <clears throat> Gift envy is when you um, pattern or judge yourself after someone else, because you think that if you had their gift, then you would be fill-in-the-blank, happy, or successful, or spiritual, or respected. Boy, if I could prophesy like Stephanie Jones, you know, then I would be. 
I would really be anointed. If I could, <clears throat> if I could uh, lead worship like Mark Morris, you know, wow. Then I, that's, gift, that's gift envy, all right? And, and people really struggle with this. People say, I, I'm a nobody. I can't do anything. Well, why? Oh, I could never prophesy like them. Or they get up on stage and I can't, I am afraid to stand in front of people. Like, and that has to do with what? You're talking about other people. Well, let's talk about you. I can't. I can't because this. I can't be like that person. And so you comparing yourself to other people is is just it's envy. Uh, um, rather than saying, God, what have you given me, and how can I use it in a way that brings you glory? And that's different than having a role model. And wow, this person has a similar gift, so I want to pattern my life after them and learn from them. That's a healthy thing. But to say I can't because I could never be like them is really uh, envy and uh, judging yourself. (coughs) Um, Let's see. uh, uh, Gift projection, just really easy, is uh, it can actually happen a couple different ways. But you know, if if you have a gift, uh, a gift, you'll find whatever doing that gift is really easy. You know, Uh, because I have. I do have a gift of teacher, and teachers can learn things quickly. And so, you give me a book, I got it down, you know, really quickly. I can, I can usually understand the book before I finish it. You know, I, I just look at it. I can power read it and get basically everything that's in it, like really quickly. Uh, where other people have to study things. <laughs> And sometimes I'm like, wow, it takes a long time, you know. But that's because they're not. And so uh, um, gift projection is, hey, because I can learn this and understand this quickly, you should be able to too. You know, if, if you have an evangelism gift, it's easy for you to talk to non-Christians about Jesus. And a lot of them will believe. It's just, it's just like walking through a door, okay. Uh, and people that can't do it, you just go, well, they must not be Christian. You know, they're, they're, they don't have any faith. They're, they're backslidden. All right? <laughs> um, um, or if you have the gift of mercy, all right, this is the more tricky one. <clears throat> because people have the gift of mercy just, you know, anyway. Okay. <laughs> the gift of mercy is that you have a supernatural ability to have, um, to, uh, have empathy with those who are going through trouble. All right? Supernatural. Beyond the norm. All right? It's like, well, I feel your pain. No, you feel their pain. You know? And you, you just, you're just really moved by it. And, well, we have to do something about it. And you just, you just, you want to do something. You don't know how to do anything about it, but you want to do something about it. <laughs> you can't get anything done about it, but you, you feel so moved by their need, you know? And then someone with a gift of administration or leadership or prophecy will go up, well, this is their problem, you know, and name off three things and walk away. And then that person with the gift of mercy judges the other person that they're not sympathetic. They don't care. You know, you're projecting your gift onto someone else, being critical of them because they're not like you. But the only reason you're like that is because that's a gift. Rather than respecting, uh this is my role. That's their role. Oh, so a leader came in and showed me what needs to change. The person with the gift of mercy can say, did you hear that? There's hope. You know, when you work together, you can actually get something done. But if you work at odds, it, it just brings contention and strife. So any gift projection of projecting expectations of one gift on some. Another way this happens is everybody thinks because a pastor, you know, in America and in the, in the, in the, in the Christian tradition that we're a part of, basically Protestant Christianity, you know, the leader of a church is called a pastor. But a pastor is a spiritual gift of nurturing and caring for an individual. Um, and so this is nurturing, caring, shepherd kind of thing. Most 
pastors that lead churches that are bigger than 50 or 60, their primary gift is not pastor. Their primary gift is leadership and teaching or administration because they need to lead an organization. And so people project the expectation that I'm just available to set and listen to people's problems, you know, whenever they need to have an ear to hear. Uh, and I'm like, sorry, that's not, that's not only not my gift, it's not my calling. Um, I tell people I lost my gift of mercy. If you find it, you can keep it. <laughs> yeah, which isn't totally true, but... Uh, <laughs> my wife says I have a soft heart, if, if you can find it. <laughs> so, but there's... Yeah, no, the, the important aspect is that you just, you don't project on someone expectation. Oh, because they have this role, they must have these gifts. No. God's called them to lead a church. What are their gifts? Oh, they're really strong in this and this and this. And maybe it's pastoring, and I do have a pastor's heart, and I can pastor people. Okay? But it's my, my real desire is to get other people pastoring people. That's what makes me happy. To get a line of, Oh, you have a problem? Go see this person. And they're a pastor. They'll sit with you, you know, day in, you know, week after week and nurture. That's what you need, you know. And so that's, that's gift projection and gift envy. Mark's going to talk about some of those things um, uh, in the context of actual spiritual gifts. Any questions about anything that I've brought up? No questions at all. Now let's take a five-minute break, <clears throat> come back, and then Mark's going to go through the list of spiritual gifts, and then we're going to do a few other things before we're done.